All right, man. Welcome back to the show. Welcome to Back on Track with your host, Troy Track Select. And this time we're trapping off the iPhone because McCarran International playing with my luggage and my laptop is still at the airport. But it's all right. The show must go on. And today I say we because we have a new guest. In a way, he's been on the show before on the Grammy episode. Go peep that. Listen to that Lupe. Um, I generally like to let my guests, you know, introduce themselves. I don't know how you want to be referred to, so go ahead. Um, what's good, folks uh, out there, particularly African folks, um, Africans, whether it's on the continent or in America or anywhere across the, the uh, diaspora, uh, primarily speaking to uh, us, primarily. Um, but you know, uh, I mean, I'm Keenan, you know, I've known Troy since I think like freshman year, college at A&T. And I mean, I'm, I'm 22. I'll be 23 on Thursday. Hey, shout you out. Know, you know, it's July, the best month of the fucking year. <laughs> like don't let them know what the month like compares to this shit. So, uh, I mean, I love music, love politics, love a lot of things like deep conversations, like my favorite thing. Um, favorite pastime so yeah I mean it's just I mean I don't, I don't know what to say like, yeah it's all good um, so do you have a like a Twitter Instagram that you want to plug in there let people follow that um, I know you typically you tend to follow a lot of people that you might uh, want people to get some of that information is there anybody you want to plug in yeah, so my Twitter is at Wavy Keenan, so that's W, the W is capitalized, uh, W-A-V-Y, Keenan, the K is capitalized, K-E-N-O-N. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's a lot of folks I can plug into this space. Um, my organization, Black Alliance for Peace, um, uh, Ajamu Baraka is our national organizer, uh, Dr. CBS, she's a fantastic academic, fantastic, like, radical, um, you know, intellectual. Uh, my my man uh, Richie Buzz. Um, it's a whole lot of folks, man. It's, I'm, I'm trying to think about it. Hold on. Um, the All African People's Revolutionary Party. Go. <laughs> go listen to the. I mean, go follow them. Right. Why should keep on saying things? Damn. Yeah. Uh, All African People's Revolutionary Party. Um. HOA Pals, uh, Horn of Africa for Pan-Africans and for Liberation and Solidarity, another organization I'm part of. Um, my boy Matt, who runs the Mutual Aid for the Homies uh, book club slash mutual aid um, organization. We read, you know, a certain book like every month and then we have our discussions about like the end of the month. Uh, so definitely tap in with him. Um, it's a whole list, but I'm, I'm going to keep it concise. Yeah, man. I mean, clearly you see Keenan as a man of the people. I'll be following. I'll be paying attention to uh, pretty much everybody. he be, you know, kind of plugging in. I see the names. Well, okay, okay. Um, yeah, super, super honored to have you here today, man. I'm super pumped that you even, you know, <laughs> helped give some suggestions to the podcast. And, uh, and now you're a guest on the show. Y'all can get on the show. Y'all, y'all just hit me up. Hit the email. Uh, what is it? TroyTrackSelect at gmail.com or at TrackSelect, or excuse me, at SelectTroy on Twitter. And uh, 
Troy Tracks Lick on Instagram. I'm out here. I'll be paying attention. I'm always looking. I'm always listening. Come support the show, man. Anyway, um, so today we're probably doing something a little, a little different, a little looser. Uh, but we will be talking about, uh, at least at first, that new Tyler. Tyler Creators, call me if you get lost. And then we'll just kind of do whatever we want because it's my show. And uh, what you going to do about it? So, uh, um, I guess it's, it's not much more to get into unless you unless you got something else you want to tap in before we jump into it. Uh, I mean, nothing really. Just kind of like, you know, like I told Troy even like before the podcast, I'm not a person who likes to talk about like one topic for like an extended period of time. I like to talk about multiple different topics because, um, you know, it's always fascinating to see how people think. Um, so, I mean, that's it. Let's get started. All right. Uh, so I think one of the things that was, I can't really remember when I first heard that it was going to be some new Tyler. It seemed like it was very recently, like a couple weeks ago for real. Now we've gotten to the point where, um, we don't do the whole two year album cycle thing where we have all this promotion and all these singles dropped first. Uh, especially since Beyonce did the surprise drop in like 2014, 2013 with that self-titled, I think it was a self-titled album. Anyway though, so now it's kind of like um, artists can freely drop stuff whenever. Shout out to the power of the internet. And uh, we have this new Call Me If You Get Lost. Um, I think one of, how were you, Tyler's been in the game for quite some time at this point. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how you were introduced to Tyler? Yeah, like, uh, Tyler has definitely been around for, like, over a decade. Um, like, I first got introduced to Tyler when I was in middle school. And the first song, I think, was, like, Yonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a song, like, he was, like, eating roaches and shit in the fucking yeah. music video. I'm like, who the hell is this nigga? And that's when, like, niggas made they damn conspiracy theories about like him being a damn Illuminati and like he's a devil and shit like that any new artist who has any success it's got to be the Illuminati <laughs> it's right. nothing else I mean yeah it was my first time um, hearing about Tyler the creator yeah. right and then for an extended period of time right um, I had not really listened to Tyler I was not a fan of Tyler um, or Odd Future for that matter um, until like very very recently the past few years mm-hmm. you know getting to Frank Ocean Earl Sweatshirt Tyler himself um, I've said it before I'll say it again Tyler has not missed since Flower Boy Flower Boy was the change in his career mm-hmm. like this nigga went from being hella homophobic to being like a darling to a lot of folks in the music industry mm-hmm. uh, cause he rebranded himself like pretty damn well um but it's the times we're living in, like, anybody can really rebrand themselves and then you forget about their past in a sense. But then also I think it speaks to Tyler also kind of, like, maturing and growing into himself, uh, which he kind of reflected on this album. That was the whole, like, idea of this album to me. Mm-hmm. Um, him maturing, him growing a lot. Like, my favorite song in the album is called Massive, where he specifically talks about, like, getting older, maturing. Yeah. Um, coming to grips to like you know who he is like this man is 30 he's not 20 no more yeah right one of the things you mentioned is a great point of the whole um rebranding thing because like you know i 
we pretty much were introduced to Tyler about the same time. Um, I think one of my friends told me about like you know this group called Odd Future, and I kind of wasn't listening to him because you know he's talking about like Jasper the Dolphin and all this. I was like, bro, I'm, I'm not about to listen to to that. But mm-hmm. eventually, I did. And I think the first thing I saw was Earl's song. I think it was just called Earl, mm-hmm. and it was like a music video where you talking about that mixtape that you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a music video where they were like drinking some concoction, and then they all started bleeding out of all sorts of orifices it was a wild video in a wild time um but yeah when Odd Future first came out with Earl Tyler Sid Haji Beats uh Domo Genesis uh, it's it's so many of them Mike G um Frank was kind of an affiliate but not not really part of Odd Future but also part of them but anyway when they first came out they were just this group of angry black kids shouting out all types of slurs and trying to be as offensive as possible and they were um, you know not just atheists but like like God hating atheists saying the most uh, basically the most disrespectful stuff they could come up with because it got attention and you know it worked and he mentioned Tyler mentions on this album um, you know I got cancelled before cancel culture was a thing I remember he was like banned from Australia and see, see that's the thing is that like Tyler said like a whole lot of wild shit like back then yeah um, to where like he was really ain't cancelled before cancel culture even existed which doesn't even exist within itself like that shit is not even real but um, cause if it was a whole lot of niggas would be cancelled mm-hmm. like dead ass like not just R. Kelly and Bill Cosby like come on but um, but yeah like Tyler is definitely understanding of the times that he's living in mm-hmm. um, he definitely like hears what folks say about him and his whole sense has always been to this day he does not give a fuck he don't mm-hmm. he does him he creates yeah. his art and that should be beautiful a lot of times so you know to the point where now people for some people depending on how old you are now and what you were paying attention to some people forgot that he even did, said all the wild stuff he said um, in the odd future days because someone was saying like oh it was the little Nas X thing where I, you know whatever little Nas X is doing kiss a guy at BET really not a big deal in the full sense of the word but they were like oh they were saying you know Lil Nas X is just trying to be I guess using all this stuff for shock value and it's like artists like Tyler the Creator didn't have to do that I was like excuse me <laughs> do you know what you just said like I said that man was eating roaches and fucking yonkers like come on people used to say like Eminem used to be the the artist that people were like oh my god he's saying all this wild stuff but I remember when Odd Future came out they were like oh yeah that stuff sounds like Toy Story now like mm-hmm. cause all that they talked about not just all the things I already said, but I remember they talked specifically about rape, like a lot. Yeah, and that was their, that was their thing all the time, um, beating women, raping women. But now, I mean, clearly, at least the artists who have stuck around from Odd Future, they've all grown way past that point in their uh, career, and and just like Earl is a totally different artist now than he was at the time. You know when the Earl mixtape dropped same thing with Tyler totally different thing than when uh, Bastard dropped but if you look back at the like I was kind of just going through a little bit of the old 
albums because just like you I wasn't I didn't follow him super closely after a certain point in time mm-hmm. um, but if you look back you can hear different you can see what his style was and how he got to where he is now mm-hmm. like there's always some little tracks in there that are like kind of about summer and about um, just kind of these not happy necessarily but a little bit of carefree because that's kind of what California can do sometimes when you live out there um, and how you get to these spaces now it's even though he did have the super offensive stuff but there's still always this more sparks of a mature sound mm-hmm. that are that are there in old projects and stuff like that yeah um, but anyway through all out this this is Tyler's sixth album mm-hmm. been around since Goblin came out I looked it up came out in 2009 and his not Goblin uh, Bastard came out in 2009 and Goblin which I think is the first album yeah came out in like 2011 and if you look up to understand how long that is you, you look up like the XXL the, uh, freshman lists of all those years and see how many artists are still around it's funny because there was a point in time, like I said, when he was in middle school, where it was the Tylers, the Earls, the Kendricks, the Coles, mm-hmm. the Aubreys, right? <laughs> um, like, a lot of folks that we consider, like, you know, the quote-unquote new school, yeah. they're not new school no more, right? Kendrick not forever. Kendrick, like, 34. J. Cole, like, 36. Aubrey, like, 35. Like, Tyler's 30. Like, these yeah. these, these niggas are growing. They're, they're getting older. Um so the new school now is more so like Lil Baby, Da Baby, mm-hmm. Roddy Rich, yep. um, and a whole lot of like other folks too. Murray's one, um, mm-hmm. or Murray, I guess is how you really say his name. I'm not even I'm not even a like super familiar with the newer um, artists right now because I just it's hard for me to get into them. Maybe it's the new melodic sounds that hip hop is going with but it's, I don't know. it's funny because uh t-pain was talking about this recently t-pain was literally saying that folks send him their music and he's oftentimes kind of like he, like he's kind of like bored with it because it's always the same sound over mm-hmm. and over yeah it's like all these up and coming like new artists they don't really have like a unique sound right and i don't i don't believe anybody's fully unique yeah but like a lot of these up and coming artists they use the same sound over and over because they're trying to get quote unquote hot right. right which in itself the music is not going to last long if you're trying to chase what's hot at that moment in time yeah because five years down the road it's going to be like that shit aged terribly yes I love artists who have who make music for not only this time 2021 mm-hmm. but for 2025 2035 yeah. and then by the time we have like you know grandkids yeah. and whatnot so um Man, we we we're not early twenty. We sound like old heads, right? <laughs> but like, but like, I mean, it's it's the truth to it. Like, I'm not one of those folks who be like, yeah, you know, this new shit is trash. I think some of it is trash. I ain't gonna hold you, yeah. but some of it's like really good too. It depends on who you listen to. Yeah, I mean, that's what it's always been. I don't like to try to say an entire um, generation trash. Obviously, there's gonna be artists who people enjoy, and I will still enjoy. Um, but you know it might not be who's necessarily the biggest artist at the time the hottest artist at the time but um, but there's always going to be something out there for you to enjoy never just throw away an entire generation with some talking like that Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, like you said, the the guys are aging. They're in their thirties now. You know, hip hoppers used to be once you hit thirty, that's kind of like you're in your sixteenth season in the NBA, and it's time for you to retire. Like, that's always been the weirdest thing to me about hip hop. Hip hop itself is not even that damn old. No, right. Hip hop is like four, almost forty eight years old. Forty eight, seventies, pretty much. Yeah, nineteen seventy three. Yeah. So. It's not. It, it really hasn't. That's really the reason why it was always considered a young man's game is because you know it started where, sure they were young, but as you, you know, <laughs> keep getting older, you're gonna have older hip hop stars who are still around. Jay Z is fifty three. Yeah, I think it's like fifty, fifty one something like that. Somewhere. Nas you know, is like forty seven, forty eight. Yeah, these guys are old, and they're still. You know, whenever they drop something, it's gonna be a lot of noise. I know you really enjoyed the Jay Electronica and uh and Jay Z. Well, I mean, it's, it's supposed to be Jay Electronica's album, but I mean, it was really kind of a Jay Z and well, Jay Electronica album. Yeah, it was. It was for Jay Electronica. Yeah. Not really Jay Z. Yeah. Because I'm a Jay Electronica fan. Yeah. You don't get enough credit for me. Um, because he's one of those artists where like his material is so small, mm-hmm. but his poetry is so potent, right? Um. All Praise is Due to Allah, which is the last song off of a written testimony. It's one of the best songs I've ever heard. And it's one of those songs that, like, Jay Electronica, he doesn't come in with the intention of necessarily, like, I'm trying to out-rap you, although he definitely can. Yeah. Man, got bars. Like, do not get it twisted. But he comes in with the intention of, I'm going to get my message off, mm. but not, like, in a super, like, preachy way, because, you know, he's connected to the, the Nation of Islam. Um... So it's like always prevalent in his music, but just the way he puts words together, it's like it's it's phenomenal. So you know, yeah, he's definitely someone who's like uh, who feels extremely fluid when rapping and just has something that really isn't hasn't been replicated by any other artist and probably can't be. It's it's too much mm-hmm. of his own just upcoming and. Upbringing and like you said, unfortunately, his discography is small. I mean, it's small. It's, it's not much to. Yeah. It's not a lot of uh, hours that you can listen to with some J Electronic. It's just not that much stuff out. But see, I mean, he he even addressed it himself on um, the blinding with the uh, Travis Scott on the album. He was like, you know, he's he doubts himself a lot of times, mm-hmm. right? He'd be up at the late night of the hours, like trying to write bars. Mm-hmm. Um. But he doubts himself, and that's the reason why we haven't got like any J electronic music consistently, because mm-hmm. of that self doubt that a lot of artists have. Uh, Andre even said this himself. Mm-hmm. But Andre, you know, part of Outkast, yeah. like one of the things he said, he was like, I think he said like he wasn't inspired, and I'm like, nigga, you have feature after feature after <laughs> feature after feature, yeah, and this is you uninspired. Well, there is. Andre is definitely an artist, right? If you listen to, uh, which I suggest that you do, because it's a very great album. But if you listen to the Love Below from his double album with Big Boy, it's like a, it's not a rap album. It's just a music album. It's all sorts of stuff in there: jazz, some uh, electronic stuff in there, some even Hey Ya is kind of like a '60s esque sound that he's got going on and there's some rap stuff but it's not mostly rap um but i feel like you know people like that like you say you know they can write stuff that everybody else thinks is fire but if they don't like it then 
they don't really want to do it. And he's someone, like you said, who can write some amazing features. It's one thing to write a feature verse mm-hmm. than to have to write an entire album. Um, generally, a lot of people, especially from uh, Andre's uh, era, feel that an album needs to be like, you know, one big piece of something that all goes together and, and with a general message or theme and not just a bunch of uh, tracks I threw together like a like a mixtape might be, you know. And a lot of newer artists might have that little twisted, but hey. I mean, I think the thing about hip-hop that's interesting is, like I said, hip-hop is still extremely young. It's only 48 years old, yeah. right? But some of these older artists are getting better with time, like Black Thought. Mm. Um, Andre, his pen is like disgusting now. What type of rapper make you want to quit? That's what I'm saying. Uh, Pusha T is up there in age. Uh, Lupe's up there in age. Like, it's a lot of folks. Um, their pen is still excellent, if not better than what they were like in their commercial prime. Yeah. Right. So you know, obviously our generation isn't like really checking for like any of the artists that I really mentioned. Mm-hmm. Maybe outside of, like Pusha T, I guess in a sense. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they producing like art, and we gotta like appreciate it for what it is. Like here. Um, ain't no bullshit they give you quality music I also think that um, with older artists because hip hop is so young like you said they have a perspective that we just haven't been able to see in hip hop so like um, you know when Jay Z dropped uh, 444 and he's kind of talking about like his marriage and um, just different issues within that and then you know kind of the whole financial advice portion but really I'm just saying like it's not too many rappers who are old enough to be able to give us a perspective of like hey you know I'm 50 now or I'm 60 now or whatever and, and these are the things that I'm kind of going through and this is the piece of life that I'm going through that would be great to be able to hear because it's a new story that we haven't gotten to hear before all the issues we've heard are you know generally from younger men specifically who are you know 25 and down um, it's nice to be able to hear someone say, hey, you know, like, I love my kids and this is what we got going on and whatever. It's, it's we don't really get to see that very often, I feel. New stories are always going to be the coolest thing to me. We've we've seen the drug dealer. We've seen the, you know, baller. We've seen the, the young, hopeless romantic. But I'd love to see some aged bars coming in. I'd like to see some granated bars one day. You know, I don't know what, what they'd be going through. It's just different. It's it's funny because, you know, we, we talk about some like these older rappers, but like some of them, some of them, like their commercial prime is like them being old. Like, you know, obviously um, it's, it's no secret. Like one of my favorite rappers is Freddie Gibbs. Mm, um, and true. then of course, you know, Benny the Butcher, Conway, Westside Gun, like they're all in their upper thirties, yeah. but they're like in their commercial prime right now. <clears throat> And they still giving you heat, like not just commercial cookie cutter bullshit, like a lot of artists be doing, mm-hmm. but they give you like quality music. Like to me, and I've had people debate, debate me on this too. Like when people think of like the top three, right? And rap, mm-hmm. it's always like Kendrick, Aubrey, J. Cole, right? They're in their thirties. And I agree, like they're the top three in terms of like popularity, commercial success. Mm-hmm. But if you ask me from like 2010 to 2019, who were the top three to me from that decade? Mm-hmm. I can only name one out of those three who deserves to be in that conversation, and it's Kendrick. Mm-hmm. 
I can't give it to Aubrey. I can't give it to J. Cole. To me, the top three was Kendrick, um, Freddie Gibbs, and debatably between Big Crit and Danny Brown. I can see that. Like, like project for project, rapping for rapping, like, they were consistent. It's funny you say that because Big Crit was on the, I think he was on the 2011 um, XXL freshman list. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dang, man, that's kind of a, I don't want to say it's a sad story, but it's just like, it was always, Crit was kind of like upcoming, like, oh, this next project's going to be the one that's going to make him pop or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but they never really, like, they were really good. Like, I've listened to, uh, I think, uh, let's see, Forever Was a Mighty Long Time. Um, That's one of the best double disc albums in recent memory. Yeah, he. I wish I could remember some of the tracks. But I've listened to a couple of his projects. It's been a while. But they were, like, really, really good. But unfortunately, for whatever reason, I remember he mentioned, like, maybe it was because... Uh, he was from the south like the deep south and it wasn't from Atlanta because mm -hmm. um, he mentioned on I mean, this is way back in the day with the Mount Olympus do you remember that when he yeah, said Mount Olympus. That, that was listen that was the shit that really should have got a lot of folks onto credit yeah because that was it was kind of like a response but it wasn't a response to uh, Kendrick's control yeah he but mentioned that in there too it's kind of like that right there should have put like Big Crit on the map to a lot of folks. Because Big Crit can spit. Yeah. And he can produce. Yes. So, um, Big Crit is versatile. Um, but like you said, it, it's his southern accent, that Mississippi draw that he got that folks can't really, you know, mess with. Um, and then also the fact that, you know, record label issues. I think people did mention that. I think people don't really think about that a whole lot when it comes to artists. Like, why is this artist not dropping? Mm -hmm. Typically it's because of like a record label. A lot of artists they want to drop everything in their damn catalog. Yeah. Typically. But it's typically the record label that kind of like, nah, you need to calm down a little bit type thing. Yeah. I know SZA was going through that. Probably still is to a degree. Like, um, people are mad. Like, why haven't you dropped anything since Control? I mean, yeah, Control. People like, she said Top won't let me drop nothing. And she's very frustrated with that. Tiana Taylor was going through that with uh, Kanye and Pusha, unfortunately. Um, I mean this goes this has been the thing since forever but like Prince even was like he would have so many albums that he wanted to drop because if you if you really listen to Prince you'd know this man has like 15,000 albums mm -hmm. um, along with and those can just be the ones that he's on specifically he wrote for literally everybody through the 70s and 80s um, and maybe even into the 90s but he wanted to release albums all the time. But the thing that labels were scared of was him oversaturating the market. Mm -hmm. So they didn't want him to, you know, if you drop two, three Prince albums a year, people are going to be like, they're not going to buy it because, you know, well, he just dropped something. I'm still listening to the, listening to this. So unfortunately, record labels can sometimes hold on that leash way, way, way too tight. And, and I think the thing about like SZA specifically is... It's not Top that's holding her back. It's SZA herself. She's she said this herself. Mm. I mean, she's also another artist who like who doubts um, her music. Mm. You know, recently she's made like a you know comeback to the mainstream. You know, with Good Days, yeah. um, hit different. Um, the music video, the song, song with uh, Doja Cat. Doja Cat, yeah. yeah. And Doja Cat is 
Doja Cat is problematic as a person, <laughs> but my God, she talented. So, um, but I think SZA, this is my prediction, mm. but you know, TDE is TDE. Yeah. I think she's going to drop after Isaiah. Um, I mean, I just don't see why she wouldn't drop after Isaiah. Yeah. You know. be complaining about TDE on the TL all the time, though, which is understandable because I... Wait, wait, me? Yes. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I give, I give TDE... The criticism that they need from time to time. <laughs> because they be bullshitting. Yeah. They have been bullshitting for the past year and a half. I just know everybody was saying, I'm tired of the Reason DLC. I want to get something else. <laughs> it's, been, like, it's been a Reason DLC. It's been... I, I mean, I love Sir. I really love Sir. Yeah. But Sir has been carrying that label for like the past two years. Let me think. So, like, yeah, I remember he had his... So, when he first... You know, he was the, like, um, the hidden artist or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he dropped... West Side, yeah, West Side Boy. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then he dropped his EP, and now he's uh, was the his actual first album, Chasing Summer. Chasing Summer. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, you know, Kendrick hasn't dropped in a very long time. If you're not considering, um, like the Black Panther mm-hmm. soundtrack, so that was like twenty, I think twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen is when he dropped. Damn. Yeah. Um, Schoolboy. He had Crash Talk in 2019, but okay. that was... I didn't like it. Th- that was a noticeable uh, quality dip from Blank Face, mm-hmm. which I feel like is one of the best albums of the 2010s. Yeah. One of the hardest albums of the 2010s. But yeah. Let me think. Um, I mean, you know how Absol is. Uh, I mean, that man said he was supposed to drop in like 2019. He's been making like a little bit of a comeback recently, mm-hmm. but I mean, Absol is Absol, so you never really know when he's going to drop. Yeah, when when was his last album? Do you know off the top? It was twenty sixteen. Okay. It was it dropped the same night that uh, for your eyes only by J Cole dropped. Oh, same man. as that night. That's tough. Yeah. Dang. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Since it's twenty sixteen, Isaiah is about to drop supposedly. Yeah, um, on like uh, July thirtieth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, I forgot what he's talking about. But it's all good. <laughs> um, shoot, real quick deviation. Uh, back back to Tyler, LOL. So, one thing I noticed, one thing I thought was really cool, which I think we have to talk about first almost, is, you know, DJ Drama is hosting mm-hmm. slash producing. I don't know how much he actually produced on this just because like you know Tyler's such a producer artist type guy um, he didn't produce a whole lot of it um, yeah. it was mainly Tyler yeah um, I think like a couple of outside producers mm-hmm. but mainly Tyler because you know he's very very hands on with his production yeah uh, DJ Drama is pretty much there to like kind of it's the hype man of the whole album the hype man kind of like the narrator to kind of like you know weave the concepts right. or the themes of the album kind of like together um but yeah, I mean it's it's done in a really uh, well manner. I love it. I love DJ Drama screaming his brains out, talking about I got my toes in the sand, and she just gave me some French vanilla ice cream too. I'm just like, what's what's going on? Bro? When I was a kid, we hear like the DJ Drama stuff of him just talk whatever. I was like, maybe I'm not smart enough to understand what he's uh, like, what he's even talking about. There's a point in the album where he's like, oh, you guys say the sky's the limit, but really, the sky's what we stand on. To get to whatever he starts talking about, mm-hmm. um, 
but you know, DJ Drama is legendary kind of rap producer, rap figure who's just like you know, producer slash hype man on different projects. I forgot that he, you know, produced the dedication series for Wayne, which to a lot of people is just kind of a legendary portion of hip hop. Um, he definitely has some stuff with Childish Gambino. I forgot what that mixtape was called right now. Um, but he's just been around, and it's a nice kind of nostalgic moment to see him all over uh, Tyler's album. And also, they know when to not put him on. Like, I'm glad they didn't put him on... Like, too much. Yeah, some of the more... Yeah. Uh, the softer tracks, like, I think... Not Rise. But there's one where he's talking about this... Um, this relationship with you know this woman who's also in an actual romantic relationship um mm. it goes bad like they didn't put him on stuff or they didn't put him on like I thought you wanted to dance slash sweet at least I don't think so um or if it was it was sparingly enough that it, it didn't ruin the whole mood of what that track was supposed to be so you know it's about restraint give me give me some DJ drama but obviously know where and when to utilize them and I think they did that pretty well not to mention like the features on this album too like yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm not an NBA young boy fan I'm just I'm just not like I don't really see what's special about his music I'm, I'm not a fan either so That's but right. I mean he did very very well surprisingly well yeah. um, when I feature on you know what's your name yeah like because I mean you just won't really expect NBA young boy to to, to approach it like that and, and like measure like Tyler the creator mm-hmm. um, of course you know you have um you have Wayne too. Um They worked together before, but I can't remember what track it was. It was uh Dropping Seeds on Flower Boy. Okay. And I think it was like another track, I forgot I'm kinda of blinking right now. Yeah. But Wayne, you know, Wayne was spitting, man. Wayne is I can't cheat for this, but I feel like Wayne is top two most overrated rappers of all time. Mm-hmm. But when Wayne spits, Wayne spits. Like, and this is a moment where, like, he was really spitting. Um, He's for, been on a bit of a run yeah, right yeah. now with feature stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but see, but see, the thing is, he's one of those artists that does really well on features. Yeah. But I've never found Wayne to be, like, a really consistent album artist. Yeah. To where he's dropping, like, quality projects, you know, project to project to project. Yeah. It's typically, like, he's better on features and mixtapes. But then when it comes to albums, he kind of, like, falls apart. I feel like uh, Big Sean is like that. I feel like there's been some features from Sean that I really thought were good, but then like on his own stuff, I have uh, not a huge fan. I don't know how you might feel about that. I know your face just changed. I mean, because I'm not a Big Sean fan like at all. The the man has not dropped any project, any project where I'm like, that shit right there was heat. And people got the nerve to put that man in the top five. Big Sean ain't top five. Top I, I feel five. like I saw this conversation not too long ago. This man is not top five. I would have never said Sean was top five. I think someone mentioned how he has been, he's consistently <laughs> been around for so long, and that was part of their argument to why he was, uh, you know, in the top five, which isn't, I can understand someone saying that because he's been around since the early 2010s. Yeah, early 2010s, amazingly. Um. Yeah, that's that's really all I can say about that. I can't I can't really name you a bunch of Sean tracks that I was just you know 
enamored with, mm-hmm. but I definitely be putting on no top five. It's like I, I can I can go like very long stretches, very long stretches, and not even think about his music. That's how much his music don't even really hit me like that. Yeah, I don't think about Big Sean very often. It's kind of like. I mean, he's like when people mention his name, it's like I mean, yeah, I know who Big Sean is. Yeah, I've heard like heard his music, you know, obviously, um, and yeah, he's you know one of the biggest rappers in Detroit, not the best, but he's one of the biggest, and it's kind of like I mean, he's just there. Yeah, he's just he's just there. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. much. Just, I mean, and look, you talk about Asian rappers. I mean, he's I think he's thirty something too now. Mm-hmm. I think he's like thirty two. Mm-hmm. I believe. Um, but speaking of features. Yeah, I mean, even, like, I'm not a 42 Doug fan by any means, but even I thought just with the way that he came in on uh, Tyler's song, was just like, okay, like, I get it. Like, this is, I enjoyed the vibe of that track. Um, I think I remember who else was featured. Wayne, 42 Doug, NBA Youngboy. Domo Genesis. I did enjoy that one very much. that, That was really good. Yeah, that might be my favorite. Uzi was on there too. Uzi and Pharrell. And Pharrell. I, I thought I would like that song more. I think. I, I did. I liked it. Yeah. I did. I mean, maybe I need to listen to it a few more times. But like, I was listening to it. Maybe I wanted something different. I don't know. But it didn't, it didn't hit super hard for me. I don't know what I was looking for though. I think they mesh well in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't anything like spectacular, but I think they did pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Um, is there any other feature? Oh, um, what's this? Brent Fiaz was on there. Ty Dolla Sign. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other rappers. We already said Wayne. What'd you think about like? Because some of this felt very um, Igor esque, mm-hmm. because it was kind of the project wasn't necessarily about this main relationship that he had, but he kept kind of alluding to it throughout the project, like um, when he was saying, you know, oh, you know, we just landed in something about a waterfall. He's like, oh, you know, just tell him something, like just make up something. I don't know. And then he uh, talks about. I guess falling in love with someone and not working out early in the project and it all kind of leads up to this big monumentous moment near the end where he goes it's like an eight minute song isn't it where yeah. he goes in detail about yeah it's, it's those two songs um, are the longest songs in the album mm-hmm. you know by far because pretty much every other song is like at least three minutes something like that two and a half like three minutes uh-huh. like yeah they're not very long but those two tracks right there are the ones that really connect together because he's talking about basically the same topic yeah um I don't really think that this really sounded like Igor like really at all except for like um just the the the, the one track um right now I mean except for like Sweet I thought mm-hmm. you know except for like Sweet I thought that was maybe the only song that sounded like Igor but everything yeah. else sounded new fresh i mean that's tyler that's always been his you know aesthetic is always trying different things Mm -hmm. um but it's definitely in the direction of like tyler's always expanding yeah and you never like really know what he's going to do next 
And I love artists like that, mm. right? So I don't like artists who are like really predictable in a sense. I think that can be a difficult thing for me uh, when you really like a project. Yeah, I have a tendency to, I'll hear an artist and I'll drop an album and I'll really like a project. I'm sure a lot of people are like this, not just me. And unfortunately, it puts a lot of artists into a box. Right. But um, you're like, man, I really like this sound. Okay, that's what I expect for this next project. Mm -hmm. And then when it is not that, I'm like, ah, I don't really like this like that. Um, somebody I went through like that with was one of my favorite artists, uh, D'Angelo, mm -hmm. where he dropped, you know, um, Voodoo. Yeah, that's what it's called. Voodoo was dropped in like 2000. Mm -hmm. And then he dropped another album in like 2014. Yeah, 2014, Black Messiah. And because I had been listening to Voodoo for the last 20 years. <laughs> um, I think he's supposed to drop a new album this year, too. I heard. He said something about it. We will see. We will see. Um, but he dropped Black Messiah. And at first, I was like, ah, you know, it's not voodoo. I really love voodoo. But then after, like, just really, really repeated listens, I was like, no, this is actually amazing. Um, and so, unfortunately, sometimes it's hard for me to appreciate artists who want to try something new. And I hate to uh, just try to, I don't want to ever discourage someone from doing something different. Um but but Tyler seems to do it in a way where it is not, I guess, so drastic of a change that uh, that it doesn't sound like him anymore. In a way, it's, it's kind of like a paradox in the sense that he does the unexpected, but you kind of expect him to do the unexpected. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like whatever sound he really does... It's like, you wouldn't say, like, that doesn't fit Tyler the Creator. Yeah. It's like, whatever song he does, it's like, oh, I can see Tyler doing it. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, he's one of those artists that's, like, really brushing out into what it means to, I guess, you know, what you define as being an artist, being versatile, not scared to take chances. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I guess it's like... Not to mention, like, compared to Igor, this was, like, a lot more... Rapidly rap like yeah, he's rapping sure. like Igor he did not even rap like that yeah so I think when I say it sounds similar I guess it's more of a theme of like because I remember Igor and like I said having followed Tyler super closely mm -hmm. but just some of the stuff on there I remember was like about kind of a failed relationship and about kind of all these emotions he was feeling from that um and then on here we get into another one where he's um dealing with these emotions from this woman and then like when I was going back and just kind of clicking off random tracks from past albums it's kind of a reoccurring theme of Tyler's where he meets some woman or has some uh, fascination with some mm -hmm. romantic partner and it doesn't work out um, but yeah it's just something I've seen on like kinda, I don't want to say every album but just going through them I was like oh this is something he talks about like all the time um, of course, it's, I hope it's not the same. I doubt it's the same person every time, but there's actually been a lot of speculation about like who the who the bars are about this one. Um, but he talks about he mentioned this song in one of his albums. He's like, you know, everybody I've ever loved has to be loved in the shadows. And I think he mentions on this project that he's like, you know, I don't want uh, the people I love to be, you know, scrutinized in the public eye and all that because it's really aggravating. 
and a huge invasion of privacy. I mean, you know, Drake was d- dating some woman, um, and unfortunately, uh, what do you want? Um, paparazzi found them, mm-hmm. and now they're all plastered all over social media, and people talking about how you know. Drake's I mean Drake's been messing with this dude's mom and they're like bro he's he's still in high school like don't don't do that and unfortunately you know Tyler knows that um that's gonna happen if he's ever I guess caught out and about which I don't know how you I guess it shows that it can be done you can be a celebrity and still have a very private life there are some celebrities like that it's super hard now but it's gotta be I think I think I think the biggest thing is the social media aspect it's gotta be so so difficult like I mean, I don't really believe anybody's life is purely private. Yeah. Um, but there are definitely like celebrities who make it worse for themselves by being on social media all the time. Oh well, yeah. And then there are some like who are not on social media like really at all. Yeah. Like this nigga Frank Ocean is not new social media. <laughs> where is Frank? Somebody find Frank. Right, bro. Bro. Don't nobody know where he be at, bro. <laughs> he be in a cave. Jay, Jay Electronica be in a cave. Kendra be in his cave. Even like, Andre, like, they just randomly see him playing a flute out somewhere. They come out when they want to come out. It's like, and I like that too. Yeah. Right? It's like when they come out, it's it's special. Right? It means something yeah. as opposed to just seeing their face on the zone. Yeah, I'm kind of like, how do you do that as somebody who is in 2021 yeah like cause Kendrick obviously is you know one of the largest biggest rap names of the times right now and uh and, and probably pretty much forever he's definitely on an all time great list at this point I think and um like how do you especially living in California which who says he's living in California he could be living anywhere mm-hmm. but how do you not just get caught out all the time and people just take of you and, and post to show that you're alive at least that's always been like my you know question is like I know they have to go out in public they have to go to the store you know get groceries mm-hmm. go to the gas station you know fill up their tank yeah like people know who you are yeah right <laughs> so you know um, and they have very identifiable like characteristics like there's some um, some people don't look like and I hate to say it like that but some people don't look like celebrities mm-hmm. so for instance uh, I've been people talking about Bryson Tiller once I was talking about this with uh, one of my friends like you could know what Bryson Tiller looks like but he could definitely walk right by me and I would not know that was Bryson Tiller just like a regular dude yeah uh, Kendrick I don't know what about him looks so identifiable to me but like I would know if Kendrick Lamar was I think J. Cole's also kind of like that, too, in a sense that, like, even the way, like, J. Cole kind of, like, dresses, right, yeah. which I have no issue with, it's it's very run-of-the-mill, like, you know, yeah. everyday, like, it's nothing, like, really exotic, it's really nothing flashy, you just kind of, he just be out and about. Yeah. But I know what he looks like, for sure. If J. Cole walked by me, I don't know it was J. Cole. But he definitely, like, tried to, at once, what, 2014, Forest Hills Drive came out. He was definitely like, <clears throat> you know, purposely trying to shun away the, uh, what's the word I want to look like? Celebrity lifestyle and being this big guy who was trying to be all humble and down to earth and whatnot. Yeah. But, I don't know, some people can just glide through Andre 3000. Maybe, I 
was like, maybe, you know, Andre, now that he's older, like, people won't bother him as much, but I don't. I don't think so. I think people understand that Andre operates within his own, you know, uh, sphere. Um, but he's not one of those folks who's like, if you're a fan and you come to, uh, you know, come up to Andre and be like, can I get a picture type thing? He's not the type that's gonna like shun you away. Yeah. Like he's gonna take a picture with you. Yeah. Now, will it be posted? <laughs> I mean, that's debatable. <laughs> but I mean, he doesn't really come across as like an asshole. Um, but he definitely, you know, operates within himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he tries to operate, you know, outside this hyper consumptuous, you know, hyper just fast paced world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's always been a consistent theme with Andre. It's like he's always wanted to branch out, be different. Um, and not like in a sense of he's trying to force it, but like that's just who he is. Mm-hmm. So you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's still a weird. It's just a weird thing to be able to like walk around unnoticed and not bothered by uh, by everyone and being able to keep your love life private and whatnot. Because so people, especially now, people are so hungry for content all the time. Yeah, like just write new stories and whatnot so I'm really amazed that um, you know going back to it but really amazed that Tyler's able to keep whoever he be with a secret um, at first I thought it was like he was saying that because um, you know there's a whole thing where he's saying I like men so I thought maybe he was saying they had to be loved in shadows because the whole uh, discrimination with that but then obviously he's talking about a, a woman in this case and I figured out that it's just like you know he knows he's a celebrity and he knows that um if they do see this woman or whoever it is they're gonna they're gonna rip her apart especially his fan base they don't know how to act sometimes so if anything it's probably a white woman I mean <laughs> if anything like he would probably. get the most pushback like against that being a white woman um I mean I would definitely criticize her I don't think his fan base cares that it would be a white woman I, I mean, I think it's black fans will care because it's kind of like, but at the same time, it's kind of like Tyler being with a white woman were really not surprised. I was like, it wasn't surprised because it's just kind of like he just kind of gives off that feeling. In my mind, I I never thought about it being a black woman. I mind. never like even thought that it's kind of like it would most likely be a white woman or somebody who's light skin. It wouldn't be nobody who's like really dark skin. I can't see him doing that. I really don't think his... You think his black fans would care like that? I feel like... I, I mean, yeah, like, in, in a sense. In a sense, but they're not going to be like, yeah, we're going to cancel Tyler Craig oh. because he's with a white woman. Oh. So... Huh. I I guess I always figured his black fans knew what it was, and also they might be... The people who were, like, super and Tyler would be kind of the same... Same situation. They got a white girlfriend, only kind of interested in white women, whatever, Hmm. Well, what what makes you think they they would have a problem with that, especially if they were following Tyler for as long as they've been? No, what what I'm saying is that it wouldn't be like a huge issue. Like uh, it would definitely be like some sort of like pushback. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. But you know, he. Some people think that. Uh, I don't believe this. Some people were trying to say 
like there's been a little bit of some tension between him and ASAP Rocky for whatever reason um oh well some people said it was because he had beef with his cousin or something I don't know they were trying to say it's like oh Tyler's been messing with Rihanna da 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 and I was like ah, I don't think that's the I just don't it's also Rihanna and people follow her everywhere that she goes so I feel like there's no way to really hide from that and the media would have ate that up I would just like for Tyler and ASAP Rocky to drop a collab album he said he won't call him back he said ASAP hasn't called him in like five months I'm saying like after potato salad they should drop that shit like immediately <laughs> like next day but um, I mean yeah ASAP Rocky is with uh, Rihanna yeah. um, apparently according to him that's like the love of his life I guess that's what he be saying I think that's what every man who dates Rihanna says. But it's but it's ASAP Rocky, so I'm not really gonna take it with her. with like too much. I'm gonna take it with a grain of salt because it's ASAP Rocky. So yeah. you know. However, you say that about collab albums. I think now is like in this span of time, like in the last seven years, I feel like. We have gotten the most collab albums. Like it's the it's the easiest thing to get collab albums now. Way easier than it was back in the day. I feel like people drop collab albums all the time now because they had the whole thing Twenty One Savage and Offset without warning. They had Jay Jay Z and Kanye. They had Kanye and Kid Cudi, which is something people have been asking for forever. Um, I said Jay and Electronica. Um, there's so many that came out. Big Sean and Metro Boomer. Well, yeah, Big Sean and Metro Boomer, Twin Savage and Metro Boomer, um, Freddie and Currency. Yep, yeah. Freddie and Currency. So I feel like now, if, if you're gonna get, this is the time. This is the best time that anyone can get a uh, a collab album done. This is the best chance we got because in the past people would ask for stuff like that, but you know they they wouldn't get it maybe due to label concerns or not I don't know but mm. it is more so the one producer and then like one rapper collabs it's like yeah. this producer is going to produce the entire album and then me as the rapper I'm going to just rap over these beats sure. type thing um, which I think in itself is it has its pros it has its cons um, some producers I don't want to hear the production like throughout the whole project because some producers are like really redundant mm-hmm. in their producing. Um, but then some are like so varied to the point where like it don't even matter if they're producing the whole album. Yeah. You know, you got your Matt Lives, who I think is the greatest producer of all time. Um, then you got um, you know, Alchemist, yeah. you got uh Knowledge, yeah. um, him and Anderson Pack need to I was gonna say, waiting for the Anderson Pack. <laughs> Him and Anderson Packing dropped Yes Lord too, like today, nigga. Quit playing with me. Y'all dropped that sample track like oof. Months ago at this point. And uh I haven't listened to it a bunch of times purposely, so when the album comes out, saying, like, I can still enjoy it. <laughs> y'all thought y'all thought it was sweet with that little quarantine. I'm gonna give you a little quarantine concert. Nah, I'm I'm I need y'all to quit playing. I'm about to find out where you live and it's gonna be a problem if I see you in the streets. You need to drop with Bruno, and you need to drop with um, Knowledge. Yeah. And I'm tired of waiting. What you got going on? See, I, I just have so much respect for Anderson Pack, who's obviously one of my favorite artists. 
um, not only just like with the current time, but like really all time. Um, Anderson Peck is so talented, so skilled, and so much better than a lot of other artists. Yeah. Like, it's ridiculous. I need to see him live. Um, he's one of those artists where it's like, he's, he's generational. I was trying to see him live when he went on tour with um, what's it, uh, Bruno Mars. When like so it was like twenty four karat magic had just come out, mm-hmm. and I think Anderson, I think the only project he had out besides, uh, I think it was just Malibu was like the one that he just dropped. So I was like, oh, perfect! This is going to be the greatest concert of all time. But that was the one concert that they only went to. Um, they went to like it was a European tour mm-hmm. so I I couldn't make it unfortunately which was disrespectful to me you know what I'm saying but hey whatever but that was when they recorded supposedly um their um like Leave the Door Open whatever that album well I think the album's just called Silk Sonic you know you know self-titled album I think that's supposed to be they, they acted like it was done they said that's when we recorded it pretty much over that time and whatnot. And now we, we sitting here. I believe the album is done, um, but they did say like they're basically trying to like milk, uh, leave the door open. Um, a lot of folks kind of felt some type of way because you know, at the BET Awards they won the award for like best new uh, group. Wasn't that a little disrespectful though? Like over people like Chloe and Halle who yeah. are like extremely talented. Yeah. But it's like leave the door open is like one of the best songs of the year and it's so clean so pure like so fresh first of all I heard that I almost cried listening to that song I said oh my god this is like <laughs> it's one of those songs where it's like the first time this I'm like how did they do this like it's just it's it's perfection but how long do you think they can milk that song though are people like listening to it like that to where they're really getting that much extra money from it or or is it even a money thing i think they'll milk it for at least another month i was gonna say you think august it'll i think august they'll drop yeah. or september they'll drop they can't drop no later than september i was <laughs> thinking they can't drop no later than august <laughs> they really can't drop no later than, like to me they should drop in the summer that's what I thought. Like that's what I thought. I mean, they can still drop in August. Yeah, August is still the summer, but so, you know. But like, it's it's kind of like you know, we're we're kind of like halfway through the year. It's kind of like we need things to kind of pick up a little bit. Um, and I think they understand that themselves, but they're not gonna drop to like. There's no way you can drop in October. There's no way they're gonna do that. They're not gonna wait till like damn December. Like that's what I'm saying. It's no way they're gonna do that. It was cold. It's cold, like <laughs> it's cold, like that's not that, that's not that's not them. Maybe, possibly, this is just a theory. Maybe they are waiting until, uh, trying to see if Drake's gonna drop mm-hmm. to avoid that catastrophe. I don't know though, because that is a thing. Like artists will have to be like, okay, let me make sure I don't drop the same day as, uh, you know, Beyonce or the, or the same month as. Drake or the or Jay Z or any super heavy hitter artist, um, yeah. I think it's and it, see I think that I I hate that like the big artists are kind of like trying to play this waiting game of like who's gonna drop first who's gonna drop like mm. just fucking drop like because J Cole has already dropped he's going on tour next couple months yeah they so, probably didn't want to do that drop the same month as J Cole 
I don't. I mean, well, it wouldn't matter to me because I'm listening regardless. But I think it's picking up because you know Tyler has dropped and you know. Yeah, Tyler. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Hold on. All right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like you said, Tyler's dropped. Um, Cole dropped. Mm-hmm. Who else has dropped this year? I mean, Isaiah's about to about to drop, but I feel like they'd be okay with Isaiah dropping. Vince Staples, Snow Allegra. Yeah, Snow. I haven't had a chance to listen to those new ones, but I heard good things about Snow. Mm-hmm. Um, have you listened to Vince at all yet? Yes. Yes. Well, did you like it? Yeah, I do. I mean, um, I didn't listen to it like at least a couple more times, but Vince is doing what Vince has always done in the sense that he's not going to give you the same thing twice. Um, so, this album, Vince Staples, the mm. self-titled album, oh, is, okay. it's very laid back, mm. has a very um, kind of like casual kind of feel to it, but the music isn't passive. It's not something that you put on as like background music. Yeah, It's something that you still actively listen to. Um, and Vince is still, you know, rapping. Uh, He's never been like a rapper that's going to like try to outflow you. Um, but it's weird how Vince... He's a master at rap in the sense that he's typically pretty monotone, um, yeah. but he finds like excellent pockets to you know showcase his flow in a sense. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he could just rap over any beat. Um, so there's that. That's true. I think he'll make it work with whatever you give him. Yeah, he's one of those rappers. No. And then Snow Electric, like, oh my god, <laughs> this album is <laughs> this album is easily one of the best albums this year. What's uh what's the newest album called? Um, the temporary highs in uh, violet skies. Okay. Yeah. Make sure to give that a listen very very soon. But yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, like I said, because what's the name? Certified Lover Boy, which was Drake's album, was supposed to come out in January, and it's hilarious because every time there's a new month, they uh, like he dropped he made a tweet where it said like Certified Lover Boy in January with like a little kind of trailer thing of what looks like him as a little kid and then every month someone updates it with it's August, it's October. Um, so, yeah, I think, I'm hoping that they will drop, uh, Silk Sonic will drop in August. It can't be any late. I think you're right with it can't be any later than September. Yeah, that's, it's kind of like, but I really need to get it going. It needs to be August. Whenever that knowledge will come, I think I think it's like this. Because of the way Bruno Mars is, and like the style of like music he makes, mm-hmm. like he makes you know a lot of hits, a lot of uh, you know old time you know type of music that he kind of like remixes. Yeah, made that that jump back with the uh, with jukebox something. But go ahead. But yeah, like because of who he is primarily, and kind of like the charisma and the aura that Anderson Pack himself gives off. Yeah. It's like them two meshing together, it's like it would make sense for them to drop in the summer. As opposed to like knowledge and uh Anderson Pack, I feel like that's something for like the winter time. You think so? I feel like because well, yes Lord, I mean I just know I I rolled around with it and I'd be well, I got the CDs, so I'd be rolling around in the car with a CD playing. Mm-hmm. And that felt like a summer tape to me. Mm, I, I didn't, I Not didn't. tape, but you know. Malibu did see the thing about Malibu is Malibu had dropped January of that year Mm. like literally during the winter yeah but that feels like a summer album for sure right so um, 
Yeah. It just felt warm. But then again, like, you know, California is always warm, so what does summer mean to them? <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, yeah, I can't think of any. Silk Sonic might be definitely one of my most anticipated albums of the year. Um, a lot of people don't really get me very excited for stuff anymore. Um, so we'll see what they end up doing when they end up doing it. Mm-hmm. But if I catch you in the streets, Anderson, it's a fucking rap. <laughs> um, you're going to have to talk to me, bro, because I'm not going to understand. I'm just not. I don't really have uh, anything anything else I super want to jump into you got you got something that you got on your heart your mind your chest yeah um, so I think it's I think this needs to be said Um, I'm not sure like how political you get on your uh, podcast but um, I'm definitely going to be that person to like up the ante on that go ahead I feel like the political consciousness of people in this country um, is very lacking at times. And it's quite scary to the point where, you know, with the recent developments in Cuba um, as of like yesterday, Mm -hmm. like you really have folks who are siding with who (laughs) they're trying to like portray that, oh, well, we don't side with those type of people. Mm -hmm. But you have Marco Rubio, a senator out in Florida, right? Mm -hmm. And he support like this quote unquote protest that's currently going on in Cuba, which doesn't ever really happen. Mm-hmm. So that in itself should make you kind of suspicious. Like, first of all, protests don't really happen in Cuba for very obvious reasons. So before you before you get too deep into uh, Cuba, explain the situation and what happened yesterday, because I'm sure there's without a little bit of context. So lost. apparently, uh, there's protests in Cuba right now about the. Um, COVID vaccines that Cuba has been producing. Mm-hmm. Apparently, like this was the first story that I saw, where they were basically saying that there's not enough vaccines for the people. So Cuba is a I, it's a country of 11 million people, mm-hmm. and apparently there's not enough vaccines. Um, and people are like kind of like running on food. COVID has exacerbated some of the issues, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And what the United States is doing, what they always do, is kind of like using this to their own benefit to say, oh, this is why communism doesn't work. Even yeah. though Cuba isn't exactly communist, it's socialist, it's not communist. Mm. But um, Cuba is not doing what the United States is trying to like portray them doing. Mm-hmm. It's not the president is deciding that I'm gonna just let y'all starve. No, it once again comes back to the 60 year economic uh, blockade yeah. that the US has put on Cuba because Cuba dared to fight for its liberation. Mm-hmm. Uh, via Fidel Castro and the Cuban Revolution, uh, Che Guevara and things like that. But, yeah, I mean, it's... And then there's a thing about, like, how the United States, they've been staging these, uh, what they call, like, soft coups um, in the country to make it seem like things are getting bad when they're really not. Mm -hmm. This is the age we're living in now, where it's not the United States directly goes into countries and invades them anymore or just, like, you know, bombs them. They do it in very indirect ways yeah. to where they kind of give you this image of things are getting better when they're still out here destabilizing countries on a pretty much an everyday basis. Yeah. Right. So um, that's a little bit of context about Cuba. Um, Can't know. invade nobody either. I mean, like, 
just the look of if we were to say we're invading by then more people would start being like, well, I don't know how I feel about the U.S. Just but see, the the thing about that is, folks will still justify it, right? Mm-hmm. Folks still justify the bombing of Japan in World War Two. Yeah, like that shit still blows my mind. Like y'all are really justifying people not only being bombed but dealing with radiation for the rest of their lives. Yeah, I mean it's more so a thing of like. It's just like what you're taught in school all the time. I mean, you, you know, we all grew up in the U.S. I mean, excuse me, if you lived in the U.S., you grew up in the U.S. Uh, education system. And, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, when I was um, when I was in, like, eighth grade, I think, we had a debate on whether we thought it was um, necessary to have bombed the, uh, to have bombed Japan and all of that. And, like... At the time, who knows what my stance was? It probably was like, oh, yeah, it was necessary. But then you remember, like, as you get older and you understand different things about. Or you you gain empathy and you understand, like, oh, these are these are human beings who really had nothing to do with some of those decisions that were being made and um, all that sort of stuff. It Some people never get to that point where they kind of just think a little more outside of like, well, this is what's necessary. This is what we had to do. I mean, yeah, K through twelve education, the education system. Period in this country is designed for folks to not critically think about the world that they live in, because you're not even really taught about the world. We taught about America, but a very surface level, watered down, white supremacist version of America. Yeah. Um, that is kind of like, well, we have to do this because you know of X Y Z reason, which is like, it's it's a bad movie plot, mm-hmm. right? It's it has so many holes in it that if you just thought about it for like at least two seconds, you'd be like, That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Or you know, things like that. I don't know. just a lot of times, um you're taught to just accept uh certain conditions and and I feel like that's a lot of what K through twelve is. So indoctrination. Yeah. The whole thing, if you say a pledge of allegiance every day, you know, I've heard a lot of people are like, the education system is more so to develop workers than anything, because you're dealing with sitting in one place eight hours a day, and, you know, accepting that you have to raise your hand to go use the bathroom and ask permission to do all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, I don't know, it makes sense, but, um, back to Cuba. So they're making these new vaccines. I do remember that they finally were able, they like developed their own, and that was a huge... They have five vaccines. Right. Yeah. That was a huge deal. So like why, are they still not able to produce enough for them, for their island? I thought they were like giving them out to others now. See, that's the thing, is Cuba is um, producing these vaccines, mm-hmm. but Cuba has been one of the best countries in terms of like containing COVID. Yeah, compared to the rest of the world, because Cuba is always known for their healthcare, um, <clears throat> like taking it seriously and treating it as a human right, as opposed to something you have to pay for, right. just to live. Um, the issue is that what the blockade does, and this is the thing about Cuba. Cuba is not a utopia, but it's definitely a alternative to this global capitalist structure that does not work for anybody really at all, um, unless you own capital. So. Uh, what Cuba is essentially the blockade prevents folks from having full access to the medicines that they always need, yeah. uh, food, um, you know, just like general things people need. 
Um, so it's not like a thing of like, this is why socialism doesn't work. Mm. It's like, if socialism didn't work, then get rid of the blockade, right? Mm. You wouldn't have the blockade <laughs> unless you know that the alternative actually works, right. right? And CIA agents have admitted this too, where it's like, the United States knows that there are alternatives in this world mm. that work. Yep. They do everything in the power to suppress it. And the American public, they just go about it. They accept the story. Yeah, so what do you think happened with... Because um, I remember you, you shared some thoughts on this a while ago. So when the George Floyd um, murder occurred, and then there was like a huge kind of global uh, reaction to that where other countries were protesting, and in the U.S. we were starting to get real active, and we were actually protesting and literally fighting in the street with police officers at certain points what do you think caused this like caused that um, just huge movement to kind of lose steam because it was I had never seen anything last that long and like be that substantial in terms of changing people's minds about what has to happen to change things so your question was um, what caused it to lose steam yeah, yeah what do you think made people start to just kind of go back to their regular lives uh co-optation number one and then number two the election so what's co-optation explain that to me co-optation is typically when folks who have radical uh, revolutionary politics and the states i mean for very obvious reasons they're actively against anything that's radical yeah right anything that's like even remotely anti-capitalist they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that folks do not wake up and kind of like recognize that capitalism is not the way mm-hmm. um and a lot of black folks are coming to, are still coming to these conclusions um, and getting close to the inevitable conclusion, which I'll get into a little bit later, mm-hmm. which in a sense that um, they use the language of radical folks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the criticisms about like people who have radical politics is that we always kind of like say things that are like what we call, you know, quote unquote academic or, uh, you know, not easily accessible language when in reality, First of all, that's ahistorical. It's been historically proven that there have been folks who are working class, who don't have degrees, who actually understand like what capitalism means, right. what imperialism means, what uh, neo-colonization means, mm-hmm. what uh, white supremacy means, right? Um, and all these other terms that we use like on an everyday basis, mm-hmm. where we are always uh, finding different ways to define this structure because it's so sophisticated, right? It's not just Capitalism is a very sophisticated form of capitalism uh, to this day in 2021. And the historical roots of it is just, you know, that there's, there's that part. But, um, yeah, I mean, historically, this is what the state has always done, is they always co-opt the language of radicals. They water it down. They give it back to the public. Mm-hmm. And then the public kind of takes it in. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm for, you know, Black Lives Matter. Or, oh, I'm for Black Power type thing. Yeah where it's like, do you even know where that came from, right? right? Or do you even know like what these people are out here protesting against mm-hmm. type thing? Um, last year with the protests, I think what happened was when protests happen, there are folks who just go to protest just to go to protest. Yeah. They don't actually understand like why the protest is actually happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the protest was not simply about George Floyd being murdered. This is about 400 plus years of oppression where folks are increasingly becoming more conscious yeah. right the consciousness of people are always rising now the speed of it is always the question 
but the consciousness is always rising nonetheless. No matter what the state does, consciousness is always rising on a global scale. Yeah. This is a global system, which is why you saw global protest mm -hmm. as opposed to just protest contained and censored in America, right? right? Um, which is why they have to do all this extra bullshit like, you know, these companies, these corporations saying Black Lives Matter all of a sudden. Yeah. When that right there is co-optation, right? Yeah. Um, they're saying these things, you know, like we finally matter. Yeah. But and to be on the right, like to try to look like they're on the right side of history, you know. And it hasn't been reflective, hasn't been substantial, hasn't been material. Yeah. Um, and then the election. <laughs> and this is the part right here. I think that really like kind of damaged the momentum of the protest. Mm -hmm. You had folks who went from saying abolish the police. Yeah. And rightfully so. To where the media, like, quickly was like, "Fuck that shit." Mm -hmm. um, they watered it down to defund. Now, defund and abolish are very much connected, mm -hmm. but they watered it down to, well, they're saying defund the police, right? Mm -hmm. Notice they don't even say abolish the police no more. They say defund the police, mm -hmm. right? To kind of separate the two, although they're not separate. Um, they say defund the police, but then they conflated it with police reform. Police reform has always been kind of like what we're told is the solution to policing. Yeah. When in reality, the police have been reformed time and time and time again, mm -hmm. which gave us SWAT, which gave us uh, the military great weapons of the police, mm -hmm. right? The police, they're a paramilitary genocidal force, um, and police reform is not going to work, it's never worked, and it's not the way forward. Um, because it's giving the state more power. Um, so that is what happened with the policing part. Then you had Joe Biden, who literally wrote the crime bill. Yeah. Kamala Harris, who is a fucking cop. And you had niggas who went from having political consciousness or real politics mm -hmm. to once again giving their efforts back to the state. Mm -hmm. All to get. Trump out of office who we're told is the worst thing that's ever happened in human history yeah right yeah I tried to explain to some people um, about the whole like abolish and defund thing and a lot of uh, people especially from older generations are thinking like you know the, the one go to line is like who's gonna come Save, save us. Who's gonna come some, save the day? Like, yeah. who's gonna protect us from crime? Like, yeah. And you know, a lot of people make the good point of like, well, you know, police don't prevent crime. They pretty much just come to deal with it after it's happened. Even if, if they even deal with it, which a lot of times they don't. There's a very high percentage of crimes they go unsolved. Um, and you know, I remember trying to give people a solid example of like, a how many times have you called the police to? deal with some issue and that's what I be telling folks it's like <laughs> bro, when you're in a situation you don't really think about calling the police yeah. typically and me especially like you know I'm black like they make me a little antsy that's like, what I'm saying like <laughs> if, if the response is like just call the police it's like once again it's the cognitive dissonance that people have that was the biggest thing about last year was there was extreme cognitive dissonance mm -hmm. where from one thing to support another thing yeah. and then that latter thing is actually detrimental to the first thing. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, one of the examples is, you know, I've never really had to call the police ever. Uh, I think I've, I had to call them one time 
and really at the end of the day they didn't do anything but I called them because somebody was parked on my my uh, in my yard out here didn't know who the car was nobody was supposed to be over here so I was like hey there's somebody's car here they came um, and at the end of the day they said call the tow truck um, and the biggest point that a lot of people on Twitter make which is pretty great to me is like you know did somebody with a gun need to come tell me to do that which the answer is no <laughs> I, you know, they asked me over the phone, they're like, hey, is is there any kind of danger? And I was like, no, it's just, it's literally just a car here. And um, they came and they just told me to call the tow truck. They didn't really, you know, they gave me some advice, but they didn't really do anything. They didn't call the tow truck. They didn't bring anybody with the truck. Um, and it's just stuff like that to where, you know, nothing really happened. There's no, it didn't need to be that way. Yeah. And I was, and I'm worried enough. I'm out here. It's cold outside. I was like, okay, let me make sure I don't have my hoodie on when I walk outside. Let me make sure they see me walking out of my own house to show them that, like, hey, I'm the person that called. Um, because at the time, I was, and still, very, uh, very cautious of dealing with police officers. You know, you guys know how it is out here. It's, it's a wild world. the whole thing about um, you know abolishes like oh, sorry to just completely kind of dismantle the whole situation and change everything that's uh, everything that we do regarding that right I mean, it's not really about just moving a couple people around and letting them continue to do the same thing because mm-hmm. like you said we've changed uh, we've reformed several times but we still get the same result that's all police reform is is this idea that things are changing mm-hmm. this aesthetic that things are changing when substantially ain't shit changing yeah. so they'll have a black police chief or a Hispanic police chief yeah. or the first woman police chief like <laughs> the first this the first that to kind of like show the quote unquote progression Yeah. but nothing is actually progressing it's changing but I think people get change in progression very very confused mm-hmm. right because all this changing is the face but the actual structure is very much the same yeah I mean Cornell West talked about it in like race matters where he was saying how we'll have he was like we haven't had any um, real black leaders black radical leaders in like a very very long time and this is a book he wrote in the 90s I want to say um, but it was just like you know we had like you just said you know black police chief uh, one police chief where it's like sure it's a new figurehead that's there and it might be someone that looks like you but it's just like the saying goes all skin folk and kin folk and um, you know there are some black people I don't want to organize with <laughs> you know it's just like we need somebody who's actually going to stand on ooh, sorry, what they say and uh, I don't know really supremely change up the system I think the issue is people are looking for somebodies and leaders when the solution is organizations. Yeah. That's the thing that's not talked about. Organizations have to be prioritized. Mm-hmm. You have to be organized and understand how these things operate, how everyday society operates. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, because if you were just rely on certain people to come about, the state can pick and choose who the fuck they want to choose. Yeah. And then 
you gonna think it's a leader when they ain't leading nothing but you back to the state. So, but if you're in an organization that's actually fighting for the liberation of people, um, in the words like Kwame Ture, if, you know, for you listeners out there who don't know Kwame Ture is, please go listen and watch Kwame Ture, um, the great Kwame Ture, where organization is the biggest key to fighting against this oppression. It always has been, it always will be. Organization is permanent. What so? What type of activities uh, do organizations really get into that kind of offer you know an average person a different uh, way of life? The biggest thing is political education. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said before, people in this country are very politically underdeveloped. Yeah, which is why it was so easy for people to move from saying abolish police to oh I'm gonna vote for Joe Biden. Yeah, that goofy ass shit. But <laughs> like, but I mean, the biggest thing is political education, um, because folks need to actually understand like how these structures work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always good to have a historical analysis because the way we're taught history in school is like this event happened, this event happened, this event happened, but they're no way connected to each other. Mm-hmm. That's how Americans are literally taught. Right. Like we're taught out of order. We're taught that things are not connected. They're all individual. And just go about your life mm. and don't worry about the next person which is why we always find ourselves in these situations mm. um and that's just like that that's just you know one key aspect of like political education but also um you know recruiting folks uh organizing your people in a sense that there are folks who are making you know uh, community gardens mm-hmm. uh worker co-ops um uh, actually trying to find ways to like build actual infrastructure yeah you know um actual programs like you know free health care for the people right uh free food for the people but it really depends on the organization itself yeah those are the things that i'm most interested in when we talk about uh trying to organize where and that's what i think a lot of people kind of get things mixed up is like um okay you know we talk about people saying oh let's not uh, you have some people say, you know, there's no reason to vote because the result will be the same. And so the question is, people are like, well, what should I do then? And like I said, I think it really goes to real action, like what you're just saying, which is where we do, you know, we farm together and grow our own food. And, um, and people people literally laugh at the idea of like <laughs> farming together. But I'm like, nigga, when, when the shit hits the fan, <laughs> like, and when niggas actually understand what needs to actually happen... Which, I mean, I don't like to use this term just loosely because mm. a lot of people do it, but like, I mean, it's revolution. Yeah. That's been historically proven and determined is that in order for things to ever really change, revolution is always the thing that gets to, to the core of that issue. Yeah. Um, but like having, you know, community gardens or community farming, however you want to call it, yeah. like that's very key because when shit hits the fan, you're not going to be able to go to Walmart and get your shit. I think it's just like when you're really talking about I always wonder how to really help out um, people or communities that may be a little less fortunate than I am right and even my own community I don't you know want to act like I'm just living in some crazy you know situation but I think it just comes down to helping your fellow man and helping the man next to you it's really it's a really simple concept at the end of the day, I feel. It's just like what they always say, like, you know, help out those 
beside you and lift up and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think that just comes always in like the donation of money or the donation of food or the donation of some type of service to physically help and change somebody's life around you. Know, it might be small, um, but just you, like you said, bring someone some groceries that didn't have groceries the day before. I feel like that type of stuff is really what what will change. Um, Along with some radical propaganda, you know. Because <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's always good to, you know, uh, help out your fellow uh, person who's next to you. But it has to be also supplied with, like, radical um, revolutionary education. Because those two things go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. That's what the Black Panther Party was doing. Yeah, where they killed them, so, unfortunately. Yeah. So... It was teaching kids how to read, bro. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Give them free breakfast, and then the government decided that that was uh, a threat, so they got rid of them. Plain and simple. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to prolong. I know you got uh, situations and places to be, but we're gonna continue this. One day into the future, so y'all can really learn up and get smart. I'm not as smart as Keenan is here. He's much more well read than I am. He had me looking goofy trying to pronounce diaspora a few weeks ago. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't it wasn't intentional. I see it spelled out, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, okay, what's about what's Because that one episode when you said it, I was like, "No, I knew that. I knew it was wrong too. I had heard the word before, and I was like, I cannot remember, and I can't sit here for ten minutes trying to remember how to say it." Because I'm like, I know he knows, like, I know what he's trying to say. I always forget it, bro. But I know he knows that when I'm on here, like, I'm definitely getting on him about it. <laughs> so. I would have, too. If I, was, if I was in your situation, I would have said something, too. Some people say, like, diaspora or, um, I mean, it's really diaspora. Yeah. But, you know, we know what you mean. Yeah. Anyway, y'all, general message here today is. Listen to new, listen to new music and revolutionize. Um, but seriously though, you know, read up. Are there, are there any uh, anything that you would suggest as like maybe a starting read or a starting speech or something to start someone to think a little differently? Yeah. Um, so my first like um, radical book was the Pedagogy of the Oppressed by Paulo Freire who was a Brazilian Marxist um, who basically taught like how education should be taught. The way we're taught education in this country is a very top-down approach where it's like the teacher has all the knowledge or you perceive them to have all the knowledge on a given subject. And then you as a student, like you're just a recipient of like what they're teaching you, but you're not actually asking critical questions Mm. to actually learn. You're just being, like I said, indoctrinated because you believe they, they know everything when they don't. What he proposes is that there's an actual dialogue that goes on, actual critical thinking, to the point where it's not just teacher-student, it's teacher-student, student-teacher. Like, combine the two terms together. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just, like, one aspect of the book. Um, But other books um, are Prisons Obsolete by Angela Davis. Um, What is Marxism All About? Uh, I would say Black Marxism by Cedric Robinson. Uh, Blood in My Eye. (laughs) by George Jackson. That's going to be a little bit of a tough read for folks because George is 
Georgia's kind of out there. I'm going to just keep it like that. But it makes sense the more you kind of, like, go down this rabbit hole in a sense. Um, I will also say The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power by Dr. Jared Ball, mm. who really gets at the heart of this whole myth that, like, black folks have $1.3 trillion in, like, spending power. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> real quick, just... Um, Which is like... Can you explain that, really? Just if there's a small way to even... Because I've seen that quote so many times of like, well, if black people put all their money together and we didn't buy, you know, Jordan's clothes, da da da, then we could essentially, I guess, change the world and change our position. What is. I know the book is way more complex than whatever you. It's not even like, it's not even like complex, it's like very straightforward in mm-hmm. a sense. Um, basically, what it gets at is, like I said, the idea that we have $1.3 trillion in like, spending power, but we conflict this with this idea that, like, oh, shit, we hold a whole lot of power in society. Mm. We're powerless. Mm. That's how racism works, right? Racism is a power and structural thing. It's not just an individual act or feeling that white folks have against black folks or anybody who's non-white. It's a thing of there are actual structures to make sure that we don't have $1.3 or more than that yeah. in actual like wealth mm-hmm. because uh, in the world's requirements array if capitalism actually worked for us we would be the richest people in the country mm-hmm. yet we're the poorest people in the country so that in itself like that 1.3 trillion dollars is not only a historical but it primarily comes from like two sources uh, Nielsen and Selig which Dr. Jerry Ball gets into specifically in the book where I think they're both based in Atlanta, but they even stated themselves that when they project this idea of the $1.3 trillion, they kind of know it's not an actual fact, but they project it so much that it becomes fact to a lot of people. Mm. So, I mean, like, it basically, like, it's your understanding of niggas know slavery happened, so you know factually, like, $1.3 trillion would not even make a whole lot of sense. Because mm. slavery was... A lot of ways, I mean, it's a lot of different things, but the main thing is the extraction of people's wealth and labor and human and what it means to be human. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty straightforward. And I would say, you know, don't try to overwhelm yourself with getting all those books at the same time or yeah, yeah. trying to finish them by the end of the year or something, whatever. Just everyone has a different journey in how they realize things. Um, so, like I said, I would just pick one. Or, you know, maybe research uh, some of those authors and just start one page at a time, really. Or, like I said, I mean, you follow me on Twitter. You know, I'm always open to DMs, always open to, like, giving people resources on this type of knowledge. Because it's not, like, esoteric. It's not, like, something that you can't find. Yeah, plug your um, Twitter one more time. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Wavy Keenan. Yeah. W-A-V-Y, the W is capitalized, and then Keenan, K-E-N-O-N, the K is capitalized as well. So, um, I'm always, like, basically 80% of my Twitter is, like, retweeting, like, communists and, like, socialists and communists, like, propaganda anyway. So, if you, like, follow me, you're going to get that, right? Like, there's no way you're not going to be seeing something about me uplifting Cuba or me uplifting uh, China, in a sense, or me uplifting the continent Africa or you know Haiti and how they always fight back against like colonization mm-hmm. where they recently just got their president assassinated yeah, um, on on, uh, on Thursday so you know there's a lot of things but 
I would say just look at it from the standpoint of, like, you could just go back to last year. Like, think about it. Like, the call during the protest was to abolish the police, and then it got watered down. And then ask yourself, like, why did that happen? And once you ask yourself that question, you start to find answers. So, it's not hard to find. Shout out to Keenan dropping some knowledge on us today. Totally. I don't know. I feel like some of you might start a, a super new journey if you just you know, take the time to read a little bit. Um, but man, we really appreciate you mm-hmm. on the show. Please come back. Maybe some, maybe some new drops. Maybe if Bruno and them quit playing, Anderson and them quit playing, we can have you back sooner than, than later. Um, but yeah, man, thanks for if you stayed on the podcast this long. Shout out to you, you the real MVP. And uh, I'll see you next time, sooner than later, because the championship tour is starting to come to a close. And now, uh, you know, I'm gonna be have way, way, way more free time, and I'm gonna be just dropping these episodes left and right. Anyway, shout out to you for listening this long, and we'll see you soon. Peace.